We've been doing Attack of the Killer podcast for a long time now. And as horror fans, we have watched hundreds of movies over the years. Some we've loved, some we've utterly hated. However, over the years, you'd think we would have grown wiser and mature, making us more accepting of all cinema. Well, you'd be wrong. It's second chances on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Hello and welcome to Attack of the Killer Podcast, the horror movie podcast with the word podcast right in the title. <laughs> this is episode 273, we call Second Chances. Now back when John Carpenter's The Thing first came out in theaters, it was a bomb at the box office. Moviegoers and critics panned the film. But nowadays the movie is considered one of the greatest films ever made. What happened? What changed? If this example has taught us anything in the world of cinema, that every film deserves a second chance. Every film. (laughs) A movie we once hated, we may love now after the passage of time. So for this show, we have each picked a movie we disliked back in the day, and we rewatched them all to see if our opinions have changed. Bet you can't wait for that. But that is what we do here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. See, we're a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends. We get together. We have a topic. We discuss films within that topic. We're all just friends hanging out, so there may be spoilers. You've been warned. (laughs) Now, if you like our show, may I interest you in becoming an attacker? Being an attacker is one size fits all and goes with any outfit for any season. If you go to jointheattackers.com, you can help support the show and instantly become an attacker. Your support will be greatly appreciated, and all the funds go right back into making a bigger and better production for you. As an attacker, you get all kinds of perks. You get a membership card, certificate, and sticker. There are bonus episodes and exclusive videos. There's also merch, anything from like a t-shirt to art, original art by me called Mikey's Monsters, where I draw you as a monster of my choice. If you go to jointheattackers.com, pick the tier that best suits you, you can become an attacker today. Again, that's jointheattackers.com. And now it is time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He hates that new movie about constipation, but it hasn't even come out yet. Tad! (laughs) Okay, not bad, not bad. Hey guys, thanks for listening. (laughs) Oh, trust me, they get better. He used to make and sell bootleg DVDs. He used to call them Abe Lincolns because they were all shot in theaters. Andy! (laughs) Hey everybody, thanks for listening. He's really excited about the new movie coming out about clocks, and he says it's about time. Jason! Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Sadly, Halloween may be over, but it's never over for us, especially if you have Shudder. Shudder is the best in horror streaming that you 
can get. So many awesome movies, shows, and so much more. All of which is available on Shudder. Now you can get a month of Shudder for free thanks to us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Just enter our promo code AO2KP and get your first month of Shudder today. Again, that promo code is AOTKP. Do it. And now it is time to turn it over to Tad with what we watched. What we watched. Well, now that Halloween has come and gone, we've all watched some spooky movies, hopefully. Andy, what have you watched? Well, um, recently I've been uh, catching up on the third season of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, and this season, uh, from what I've seen so far, is much more engaging and entertaining than the last season, although, you know, death and destruction shouldn't be uh, entertaining by any sense, but um, uh, no real delicate way to say it but it's it's so far this this new season's really good i also watched a c uh a limited series on netflix called the devil in ohio have you guys heard of this Mm -mm, no only only Uh, know the devil in nebraska oh okay yeah (laughs) dr satan um but this is uh it's about a girl that escapes a cult and and it's a satanic one and she's basically, you know, she's got like a pentagram carved into her back because this is part of the ritual that she escaped. And I mean, it starts off like really, you think it's going to be really, really good, but it just becomes like episodes of Riverdale with like an occult twist. I mean, I just, I mean, it started off really good, but it, then it becomes like a teen drama and it's like, uh, I just wish, I mean, the subject matter was really good, but I feel like I just wished it would have packed a hell of a lot more of a punch, you know, but um, creepy in some ways, but just it's just not enough. Uh, it also has the uh, the girl from um, Color Out of Space, the, the daughter. I, I can't remember her name. Yeah, she plays the girl that has the uh, pentagram carved into her back. And mm-hmm. she does a really good job in this, but it's just it's. It need it. I think it needed something more. That's just my opinion. Um, I also finally watched uh, Love and Thunder, uh, Thor. I still seen haven't that? seen it. Um, okay, I won't. I won't really spoil spoil anything. Um, it's you know you can tell Taika Waititi, and, and it's and it's very, uh, it's heavier on the comedy than. Uh, than most Marvel movies, and I know you know Marvel movies are you know they do rely on a lot on comedy, but um, you know I will say that you know the Guardians are there, um, you know not for the whole thing, but um, yeah, I don't really don't really want to spoil anything. There was some surprise some surprises that uh, that were in it, you know, uh, actors and character wise, um, but um, it's really good. Um, I also saw a double feature, and um, we'll we'll address the big white masked el- uh, elephant in the room here shortly. But I did see Smile, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, I was in the only one in the theater, and I was completely engaged because it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. Because that's when I like to watch movies. But Smile definitely has. Uh, if you liked It Follows, 
I would be shocked if you didn't like uh, Smile. It is crazy creepy. Um, it also has um, Kyle Gallner in it, and he's of course he's been he was in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, sorry that it gets better, but um, he was in um, oh uh, the the new re- uh, remake of Scream. Not not for very long, mind you, but and he was also in The Walking Dead, so he's kind of getting a little bit of a horror pedigree. Um, I won't go much into it, but uh, I'll just say it's it's very similar to uh, It Follows, and also it was the uh, the girl that's going through this whole debacle uh, in this movie. She's she's a shrink, and her fiance is the guy who plays. Um, a train in the boys. So it's kind of refreshing to see him, you know, branch out and, and, you know, do other roles. And of course I watched Halloween ends. Please tell me all you guys have seen this. Yep. 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 Okay. I Um, I thought, I thought about just pitching Mike, like, can we just do the new trilogy? Like all three movies as an episode. That should have, I'd have been down for it. But that would um, take that. That might be a five-hour episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's here's the deal. Here here's my take on it. Um, do I think this movie is a bad story? No, I don't. Uh, is it okay being in the Halloween mythos? Yeah, I think it's I think it's fine. Um, do I think it's a movie worthy of closing out this series? No, I don't. Um, I feel like Halloween Kills was a better way to end the series than the way this one ended. I mean, if you took the movie Halloween Kills and then the whole battle in the kitchen that Mike and Lori have, and then insert that into Halloween Kills, that's actually a better way to end that's what ex- exactly what Nikki said. Like, switch the two around, and you'd have a better story, ex- right? Um, but I feel like this this movie is it's good in its own way. I mean, I feel like this is this the story is not bad per se. I mean, it could be like I would feel I feel like this story would be like better off in like a one shot like graphic novel or something. You know, I mean, if it was just like kind of off to the side for you know because i can understand why people like it but it's just it just doesn't seem worthy of uh ending the trilogy for me um um and another weird thing this uh this cory cunningham uh and maybe this is just me but i'll i'll just you know throw this out there and see whether you guys disagree or, or agree. He almost has like that full faced, you know, curly haired look that Tony, Tony Moran had when he got his mask pulled off in 78. He looks very similar, you know, except for like the wonky eye, you know, he just looks like probably what Michael would have looked grown up back in, you know, when he was 21 years old, you know, it just, it looked, I mean, I guess that caught me as, as similar. Um, uh, but the one, I guess the one really big gripe that I have about Halloween ends is I just, I never understood why you would take most of the whole movie trying to build this character up for finally standing up for himself and finally, you know, getting, you know, 
you know, getting the gumption to, you know, not take any more of this town shit for the way that they've had it out for him, for him to off himself in the third act, you know, it just doesn't, you know, you, 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 you do all that work and then you just like, okay, I'm dead, you know, but I mean, he wasn't, you know, completely dead because, you know, him and Mike had a confrontation and, you know, basically Michael Myers is just like, coca-cola classic and Corey cunningham was new coke and you know you're done so um i don't know i mean that's that's just how i i feel about you know halloween ends it's it's good on its own but not good enough to close out the trilogy that's exactly how i feel i i'm like i'm not gonna argue it it doesn't suck as a movie it's not it's a great it's a good movie it's a cool story it's interesting it's well shot it's well made it's well acted Corey, the actor who played Corey, is so fucking good uh and i just am like baffled by the decision like did we i don't know i could i don't want to go too long into it but it's like it feels like david gordon green had an idea for a movie and then he went to Blumhouse and Universal and was like, and they're like, what, what do you think you could do like three? And he, he like lied on his homework and he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have three planned out. I can do three. And then he's like, shit, now I have to do two more movies. Uh, uh, and he did kills, which everyone hated, which I still like. And then this was such a weird turn, a dramatic love story for the first 45 minutes you know, with a like weird wounded Michael, I'm still not exactly sure what I was seeing. Like I still question was Michael telepathically or somehow um, like supernaturally sending his, like was he gaining power from Corey's kills by possessing him? Like what can anyone, does anyone know the answer? I got I got the impression that he was ready to, you know, because you, the the whole premise of this series is what as as far as I can understand it is evil never dies, right? You know, but it can be transferred. I mean, I don't think you know, um, Michael Myers was born evil. I think it just in infested him, like you know, and then it just clung to him and entrenched into him like a fungus, you know, and then. It, when like and it happened when he was six years old, you know. But I think you know, as this as he was just getting weaker and weaker, you know. I mean, I thought like maybe there was like a you know I got the impression that there was a transfer of evil, you know, and he knew that this town hated him. Like he grabbed him and he's he saw you know some like you said telepathically or whatever. But I mean, at least that's the impression that I got, you know. Um, but I, I, I don't really know what made Michael weak. I mean, they, they bulldozed his house and now he's like, he can't take out a teenager because Corey got his ass beat by some band kids and then he yeah. goes in there and tosses Michael Myers around. The guy who rose from the dead at the end of Kills, the last movie, mind you, it's been Slaughter's four years. Right. And, and yeah, took out an entire fucking town. And looked more powerful than ever, than he ever has. You know, it showed yeah. that he, you can't kill evil. And then now he's hiding in a sewer, um, getting beat up and, and thrown around by a teenager. It's just, I, I'm just like, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I'm not saying it's bad writing. I just want to understand it better myself. Maybe I need to read the novelization right. or something because I just didn't understand what 
were doing was like Michael Week and he's doing like a Freddy where he needs this uh Corey to go kill for him and he gains strength by every kill. Like it was in like Freddy versus Jason, you know, when yeah, Freddie and Jason were doing that. Him, like make him know what fear tastes like. Right. And yeah. I'm like, I, I don't really am I I was just trying to figure out as a, it's like, am I dumb or am I just like, is everyone getting this and I'm not? Like, I, I just I, spent the sewer scenes were just very confusing to me. Yeah, uh, I will say I this, agree. but I think I think people will. I think Rob Zombie is smiling right now because I think a lot of people will have a deeper appreciation for Halloween too after the, after this one. You know, some people love it and some people just are absolutely just pissed. But you know, I think like Tad and I are some of the rare rare ones that are just kind of on the fence about it. Like I, I know David Gordon Green has come out in the last few days and he revealed an ending that I heard about, which was supposed oh, yeah. to be like a post credit scene, which shows the Silver Shamrock Factory pumping out the um, mass, like the skull, the pumpkin, the witch, and then suddenly out of the uh, conveyor belt comes michael myers mass and we find out that he was actually like controlled by silver shamrock this whole time and there was a subplot where he might have been he might have been controlled by that radio tower like that seemed like a prominent part of the story that was never touched upon Uh. like why this radio station in this town they feature it heavily and then even towards the end it's burning and it's and for some reason it's a big deal but for us in the movie it's like why is this a big deal it seems like something was cut out um that dj kill was fucking awesome though yeah yeah (laughs) and apparently they filmed like a really long scene for for darcy uh to die and they didn't they cut that from the film and she said that uh it will be there will be an extended director's cut coming with all the restored footage and stuff but it seemed like for the most part in this one, it felt like they were they had like a loose script or something, and they were just sort of seeing what worked. I know there's four writers according to the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt messy. Like for for the finale, I mean, it's hard to stick the landing. I know that, but uh, it just felt like they just sort of shot from the hip and hoped it worked. And uh, but going really- in, they even told the kid like David Gordon Green, the the, the kid that played Corey did like an interview with variety and he's like before i even accepted the role he warned me that like the fans are going to hate this movie and going to hate they're going to hate him and they're going to be very angry with this movie and i'm like i i I don't know to go in and be like everyone's going to hate it like then why do it i don't know yeah yeah that seems kind of weird i i didn't i didn't hate it i enjoyed it for the most part just my two things i it didn't dawn on me to when you guys said it that like this should have been the middle film. I can completely agree with that because my thing with it, it it can be its own thing. It could be a standalone film, and if it is a standalone film, my problem is um, that it feels like everybody involved with the film chickened out at the end because the whole story is focused on this guy and and the granddaughter and then he's killed and then we still have another 20 30 minutes of Lori finding michael myers it's just it just jumps right back to michael myers and it's, it's like it's that you're jumping around in your story here it's like you guys chickened out with this cool new concept 
Well, and that, it's just like, oh, we better service the fans and just make a big battle at the end with Michael it, and Lauren. And that was like one of my nitpicks with Rob Zombie's first Halloween was that I really liked that he made it his own up until Michael came back as an adult and then it hit like a switch and it was just then he just turned it into Rob Zombie's reboot of John Carpenter's Halloween. And I'm like, you know, we had so much cool backstory and build up and stuff. And then we just, he, he, it's like he hit a switch and was like, all right, now I'm remaking the Halloween movie that you all know, because that's what you came to see. And yeah, I agree. It's like, go all the way or don't go there all. Cause it feels like yeah. two separate movies. Rob, Rob had yeah. studio pressure to do that though. I think his original oh, yeah. plan was to make him just like the way he was to stay in the uh, institution and him doing nasty shit in there. Yeah. And then on the other side of things, if I were to think of it in terms of, of the trilogy, it doesn't work for me there either because you're inter- you're introducing a whole new character in the third act of this three three story structure out of right. nowhere and then focus your whole last half of your three story structure on this new character. Imagine if we met Corey at the babysitter in the second movie. Yeah. How yeah, so much more whole... impactful it would be by the third movie that he's been affected by this four years, uh, like the whole town, the whole town, Lori and all these people, you know, people are blaming Lori for Michael and saying, you know, you brought this monster here. Like it would be so impactful if co- we had met Corey when he was living a good life and he wasn't fucked up from this accident that happened. Yeah, exactly. And then by the third movie, but it pushes it so fast where we meet him suddenly, you know, his life sucks. And, and then he meets the granddaughter and they're in love within 10 minutes, you know, looking at each other, they're in love and they're right. And it's like, Holy shit. This is one movie like slow yeah, down. <laughs> yeah. It's coming out of the gate really fast. And Haddonfield's not that big of a town, you know, they could have, <laughs> they should have really established this, this character, even if it is just in a small scene or something uh, way earlier in this whole, this whole trilogy. But I just don't think they, they thought these movies through. And I know and David Gordon Green said, you know, he was changing it after COVID. Like, and I don't know if it's like sometimes when a musician sits down and writes a song and then they have time to sit on it and they fuck with it. Or George Lucas, when he fucks with the star Wars movies, it's like, just you leave write, it alone. You write yourself into the ground, man. Right. And, and it's like, you know, he, he talked about after kills, like, Oh, this moon movie is going to, you know, it's going to be in a pandemic world four years after kills and all this, And that he never touched on that. Like mm. what the fuck's he talking about? Maybe Michael has COVID. That's why he's so weak. only thing that could take him down yeah i mean and the one thing that kind of really irritated me also was like this town was like blaming laurie for everything you antagonized him you did this you know it's like well my nephew he 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 got really nervous and he started eating peanuts and then he developed a peanut allergy (laughs) and that's all your fucking fault you know i'm like god damn people man shut up yeah it's not laurie's fault yeah. See, and I thought it was going to go more in the direction of the town, like as if something there's something about Haddonfield that that emanates evil. Because even in the first half of this film, they're just talking about how like the kind of the town is. Ever since Michael Myers came back, the town has kind of turned on each other, and I'm and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is this is bigger than just a Michael Myers thing. This is like the whole town and the balance of good and evil. But you know, other than yes, other than you know, picking on this kid and blaming Lori for everything and never really developed into anything more than that. And and the kid has like a weird milk fetish. Like what was that? Do you notice that? Like 
he gets chocolate milk at the gas station. He's drinking milk when he's eating spaghetti at home. It's like Corey drinks a lot of milk in this movie. I don't. Well, I want to hear Jason. I loved it. What did you think, Jason? Well, you don't need me then. No, I, I want to hear. Always I, need you. I uh, I really liked it. <laughs> I uh, I completely didn't give two shits about this trilogy. Um, it being a trilogy, like it was obvious, they only wrote one at a time, no matter what they say. So it didn't know where they're going. Yeah. Right, so I don't. And that's fine. And and, and like guys, of all the franchises, it doesn't. You're, we're lucky if there's any continuity. So who gives a shit about this trilogy saving the world? And like, it's not gonna. There's no continuity ever. It's all about making money and. And no, nothing was thought out or written out beforehand. So I just, I checked all that at the door and just, just looked, along for the ride. Just enjoyed the movie for what it was, and I, I really liked it a lot. I, I remember watching it like right before we came down for Joe Bob. And I mean, I wished I didn't talk to Justin about it, mm. and you or anyone else oh, really. Just, Justin I talked to Justin about it. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not saying uh, Justin didn't have perfectly good points, but like, right, right. But I'm like, I didn't give How a did shit Justin at all. How did Justin feel? I go, no. Justin can guy. almost convince you to absolutely loathe it, yeah. Yes. And oh, this is wow. a guy who's also gotten in heated arguments with, with Jason and I about loving Rob Zombie's Halloween too. Right, which was almost going to be my pick for this episode, but I just couldn't <laughs> fucking watch it again. I just couldn't do that. Anyway, yeah, um, wow. so just uh, the movie by itself, um, I really liked it. I was like, yay, this is... I was like, man, they're just going for it with this, uh, I forget, Corey's Corey thing. And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Cool. What a, you know, I was like. I just, they took a swing. They took yeah, a swing and made a dramatic like love story so in I, the ha- Halloween franchise as oh. the finale. So, you know, I liked it because it was a love story. Yeah. I, was, uh, I was all for it. I was all for it. So I liked yeah. it a lot. It was probably my favorite of all of them. And then, of course, there's a little bit of a love story between Lori and uh, what's what, the sheriff. What was it, Frank? Yeah, or? that was sweet. Yeah. You know, like the yeah. cherry blossoms. Yeah. I just, God, yeah. you, I want to give him a huge fucking hug. That yep. poor man. Yep. <laughs> Will Patton. For real. Yeah, he, he just, God, he is like, I'm getting goosebumps. He makes yes. me think of uh, what's his name? Oh God, uh, you guys are gonna what? What's his name that does? Uh, Chucky's voice, uh, Brad Dorif in Brad Halloween Dorf. two, in Halloween and Halloween two, Rob yeah. Zombie's movies, like, uh, sort of talking about, you know, going back to our bonus episode, like they, those, that's a standout performance in those movies. Brad Dorif is a highlight oh, of yeah. the Rob Zombies, More. and and he is a highlight of this franchise. I think he's fantastic. Brad Dorif, especially in Halloween two, just yes. his. It's just the way when he lose when just his reaction losing his daughter, daughter, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah that scene is. Oh my god, it, that just guts you, dude. But I yeah. also, I, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, and and Will Patton sort of has that in this uh-huh. franchise to me, where I just I feel for him, and I, I I yeah, great. I also really enjoyed Michael's death. Like I thought it was pretty badass how she got him tied up, and like there was very Slow minimal bleed. music. Yeah, just the deliberate little slice. Hey, just hey, slice. Yeah, right, uh, right. Fucking bleed out, too. Almost like Christ. lovingly going oh, for the arteries. Fuck yeah. You know, it was that was awesome. I really liked that. And then, and, and they finally did what everybody, every human alive that watches a horror movie yep. has always said. And and Nikki even said, you know, go further. Like they shouldn't even put him on the car for the procession. Uh-huh. Like 
you need to chop that body into pieces before it goes in the grinder. And then you take the pieces that were ground up, you know, the meat <laughs> and burn it and then take the ashes into the four corners of the world. Uh-huh. Don't, and don't separate tie them. him to the car. Drag his ass there. You want to right. road rashes, right? You want to hear what Justin said? Was that even Michael in that went in the thing? Do we know that? Oh, God. Uh, of course. Uh, I mean, they, they, they did that with Adrian. He was under the mask. We yeah. didn't know who was under the mask. We well, know? they did take the mask off, but. Not when uh, we went they, to they, the chipper. But then again, uh, they, they kill, you know. Fucking <laughs> And Halloween kills. They, they killed an innocent man thinking it was Michael because they don't know what he looks like under See? the mask. But. Um, Asshole. <laughs> was, oh, yeah, like did we, well there's, there's another way out of it too did they make sure that Corey was completely dead Not I mean really but you know a he's knife still through worked. the neck but and his neck is broke you know but what happened to Michael you know at right, the end of Halloween kills he was like shot him? 50 times and We'll see so that. Yeah, so you just don't know. It's never. It's scary. never over. I, 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 li- I literally <laughs> laughed when they drove him through the town. <laughs> I laughed out loud in the theater. Yeah, I'm like, I, finally. I kept looking over at Nikki, and I'm like, I can't. Like this movie. What are we watching? Not like I'm watching a bad movie. I just cannot. I'm like, I cannot believe the swings they took in this. Yeah. And they brought back people. And I was. Mm-hmm. I saw someone Twitter was like, they needed to have like. Uh, you know Paul Paul Rudd and uh, yeah. <laughs> what's his name that played his uh, his daughter or her daughter or his her son Josh Hartnett. Uh, yep. like basically every character that's been in it, and they could have connected all the that's continuities. What it felt like for a second, they could have connected all the continuities by having them all yeah. in that town marching as Michael's being taken to the wood chipper grinder or whatever. Damn. But who expected them to do a Christine remake for the third? movie and i mean this was christine like even down yeah. to cunningham in a junkyard yeah. yeah you know michael was was the new christine uh-huh. i i thought that instantly in the scene where uh, i mean i guess it was before you realized that it was his dad or at least the guy dating his mom or whatever yeah, but yeah. the guy who ran the junkyard um Gave him that motorcycle. I'm like, this is really reminiscent of so Christine. It was and that possession by proxy, like Christine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. for Corey. Hmm. Yeah, and they they warned us like this one's going to be influenced by it, but I didn't think it was going to be like heavily. What a weird idea! Like, what if what if we took the third Halloween sequel off of ours that ignores all the other ones and make it a christine uh, like what okay uh-huh. which was written by stephen king so it's not really a necessarily original carpenter thing i don't know man wild stuff but uh S- still carpenter connected and they're watching the thing on tv i'm glad yeah. that is one consistency in every alternate yeah. universe of the of the halloween franchise <laughs> is somewhere the thing is playing on tv whether it's the anyway, original way guys that's what carpenter. i watched <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an hour later <laughs> Halloween Ends podcast. Everyone else is doing an episode. I, I declined yeah. to do one because everyone else is doing one. Yeah. Uh, but so shout out to I Like It Spooky and uh, Brett and Tony with Ash and Abe. They're both doing it. Uh, you know, t- tune into the uh, Halloween Ends podcast network. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> join, join, join the Halloween Endsers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Corys. Anyways. Uh, Mike, cores. what have you watched? Okay, well, hopefully this will speed things along a little bit, because other than Halloween ends, I only got one other movie watched. And I finally watched The Monsters. Okay. So here we go. I wrote this out. 
to, to make sure I expressed my I've true, prepared, true I've feelings. I prepared here. a statement. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, as an adult, there are issues with this film. It is too long. There's no singular storyline. This whole thing would have worked better if it was chopped up into a series because it just it jumps from beat to beat to beat throughout this whole thing. Chop it up, make it a little mini series. Would have been would have been perfect. Uh, but I love the look of it, the sets, the the color design, all the makeups, the cool monsters. I like the jokes. I love all the of performances. You do. <laughs> Daniel Roebuck is the man. Yeah, he ruled. You want to talk he about was, Gary yeah, Oldman? He steals the show. Dan, Daniel Roebuck was unrecognizable to me as as Grandpa Monster. But here's the thing. But as a monster kid, this movie's freaking amazing. It is a great gateway for a new generation of new monster kids. Uh, <clears throat> when was there? Any, uh, um, this is written. I can't yeah, can't read his own handwriting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. When was the last time there was anything fun monster-wise that would that would be great for kids? Intro to kids. You know. So I'm saying, shame on the internet for poo-pooing on this movie because um, they don't get it. Uh, where um, where all of us monster kids would be. Um, in big trouble if the world shit on the crappy monster stuff we connected with as kids. You know, people my age, you know, including, you know, people like Rob Zombie. Like, all the crappy stuff from the 70s, the, the Monster Squad TV show, Groovy Ghoulies, Hilarious House of uh, Frankenstein, um, reruns of the Monsters and the Addams Family, uh, or for some of you younger generation people out there, Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know, looking back at that stuff today, it's cheesy and hokey, a lot of bad jokes, you know, a lot of uh, very obvious sets and whatnot. That's what this is. So I think The Munsters was great. Now I'm done. All right. I will say this. Um, her, uh, let's see, uh, oh, Lily's Lily's brother, it, Lester, is a uh, werewolf, right? Okay. Eddie Munster is a werewolf, okay? Don't go so. down this road, Andy. <laughs> Andy. Only you would turn monsters into very... incest. God damn it. <laughs> it's it's Rob Zombie. It's all I'm saying. <laughs> he did it to himself. Oh gosh. I I'm I yeah, I'm I'm sort of like exhausted of arguing this one. I've moved on to Halloween ends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't hate it. I think I, I let like it be this. heard the last episode what I thought of it. So if you uh, are wondering my opinion, go listen to the last episode. But and, uh, Jason, have you seen it yet? I have not. Okay, I do agree with you. It is too long, and it is it gets pretty disjointed in its story. That's why I think it probably would have worked better as like a like a miniseries or something, almost like a a, a new sitcom for the monsters. But but all the hokiness of it, I thought was was just great. And if I was you know, if I was a kid, you know, between the age of five and ten, I would have freaking fell in love with this, and it would have made I me. I probably would have liked. I probably would have loved it. Yeah, too. exactly. So, I feel like that's the real audience. You know, Rob Zombie's audience, ten-year-olds, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very impressionable kids. Did you watch anything else? 
That's all I've watched. All right, Jason, um, how many Transformers did you watch? Well, that's that's uh, one of the... So, yeah, Halloween ends. I really liked it a lot. Uh, so this weekend I was at TFCon in Chicago, and I got to hang out with some podcasters that I've been listening to forever and went to a movie with them on Friday night and saw Black Adam. Um, nice. First thing I'll admit is uh, that I'm an idiot. Okay, so like it wasn't until just this week... I thought they were saying Black Atom the whole time, A-T-O-M. Oh, so I'm like, what the, why is he so big if he's Atom? Anyway, so, um, I, shocker, it was pretty good. I liked it. I thought I saw um, it was getting good scores. We saw it in just like the greatest IMAX theater I've ever been to. And I've been to a few, but oh. like, it was the fucking IMAX, rumble so. seats, man. And, like, the biggest screen and just the super surround. It was so loud. Like, I almost hated it, but, like, <laughs> I loved it because it was so loud. And just, I mean, Spooty and I both were, like, uh, we literally, uh, at the same time, started to turn around to yell at the kids that were kicking our seats in the back. But we're like, oh, oh, it's just we, the rumble We paid seats. for this. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was fucking awesome, as you can imagine, in an action-packed film like that. That's the way. If you're gonna see something like that, oh. like in the, or see something in a theater like that, you you don't want to go see. Um, don't I watch don't know. that one on your phone. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Couldn't recommend it more for the IMAX, but it was it was fantastic. And then lastly, um, I saw it'll be my favorite movie of the year, I'm sure. But um, I don't. I also don't want to hear any opinions from anyone else who's seen it. <laughs> if they've seen it yet, just because I loved it so much, I just I can't handle it if you didn't like it. So I saw uh, Clerks three, and uh, I um, bawled more than I've bawled in a long time. It was like the whole third act. I mean, I was just a mess, right? And then like. 20 minutes after the movie, I'm like, I got to stop crying. This is bad. This is really bad. Like it, I, I mean, I, I love, I love all three of the films and I personally think that, um, each one of them has gotten better as it's gone along. That's how, that's just how much I liked part two. And then oh, part two is yeah. fantastic. Oh, well, oh, yeah. Definitely. And I think this one just takes the baton and fucking just crosses the finish line. First place. Like it was so good, but it, it, my, it's a story about best friends. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, it's, oh, man, it gets me like nothing else. And so, as just a guy who loves my best friends, mm. it just got me uh, hard. Oh, my God. I just made you hard. It got you hard. I used the wrong word. That's a clerk's joke. Okay. But you know what I'm saying. Leave me alone. the right words. Exactly. So hard. So hard. Man, it's so good. Brian O'Halloran deserves fucking awards on this one. Like, ha have anyone seen it yet? Uh, I'm saving I it. it I okay. have access to it, but I'm saving it for like November 1st when spooky season's over. Mm -hmm. I get that. But uh, as you know, as we're all friends with Brian uh, now, um, <laughs> uh -huh. like, dude, he fucking will wreck you. He's so good in this. They're all so good. It's so good. All right, I've got to stop saying it. I, I loved it uh, a lot, and uh, that's what I watched. I asked uh, Blake if he had watched it, and he said yes, and it was really he, – and I said, what do you think? And he's, like, like, really sad, and I was like, oh, no, like, is that bad that it made you sad, like a lot of Kevin Smith's recent movies? <laughs> he's like, no, like, the movie itself made me sad. So good. And I'm like, 
okay, I can accept that. Don't tell me anything else. Yeah, so. I don't want to build. I've already built it up too much, but yeah. no, no, it's. It, I I know how you are. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sensitive. It doesn't take much to make no, you cry. So, uh. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Good job. Okay, someone asked me. Hey, what I Ted, <laughs> have you watched anything lately, pal? I have. I have. Um, we had the return of the uh, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs on Friday, yeah. and he showed Elvira's Haunted Hills because he had Cassandra Peterson with him. That was uh, awesome. That was fantastic to see those two together in Darcy uh, mm-hmm. dresses Elvira. And then he showed Popcorn, which is a first-time watch yes. for me. Oh, oh shit. Nice. You've never seen Popcorn? I've never yeah. seen Popcorn. And wow. Okay. You had to love it because of Joe Biden. Oh, it was a, it was a blast on his means. It's tailor-made for that show, and they oh, everybody's yeah. been guessing, or guessing that would be on this show, so I just sort of held out. Um, he had Jill, uh, Jill Scholling on, on, and she was yeah. fucking great. Great yeah. guest too. Like this, this is like top tier episode having those two on there and those mm-hmm. two movies. Mm-hmm. I did not. This is the first time I've watched uh, Avira Haunted Hills. Also, um, didn't love that movie. Oh. It's like my <laughs> least favorite uh, time period, and yeah. the breaking the fifth wall over and over again was got tired and or fourth wall and and uh, just didn't love that but i having those two together it was just more like i would get up and do things during the movie and then come back and listen to those two talk that's what i told brandy i'm like joe bob is the joe bob is the show that uh you know usually you watch something and you um go do something during the commercial you go do something during the movie (laughs) yeah and and him talking lovingly making fun of popcorn was was so much fun Mm -hmm. him and jill and (laughs) Uh, and, and Darcy did a great job of sort of interviewing Jill too, uh, had a lot of great questions and stuff. And it was just a fun episode. It started off really fun with, uh, Joe Bob dresses a hot dog and his banter back and forth with, with Darcy about why his hot dog costumes terrifying because it only had ketchup on it. Uh, and, and just him and his, it's sort of funny cause he's, he sort of evolved into like a grumpy old man uh-huh. and, uh, his, his attitude towards Halloween has always been sort of funny where, you know, he had a checklist of things and it, it was, so, I, it's just so good to have him back on TV and it was a blast. Um, their derailment I, about reading books on airplanes <laughs> had me in stitches man oh. yeah yeah well what, what side do you fall on there i i say you know the lights are for a reason but because uh, i can well shit i can sleep through anything i think so like it doesn't bother me and i feel like the lights direct enough and i've used it lots of times myself so yeah i don't see the big deal darcy but yeah <laughs> that that's that's always fun having that back and forth and like i said a great episode um Outside of that, I uh, you know have been watching movies at the Capitol. Watched the Lost Boys on the big screen, and uh, you know the original Halloween right before Halloween ends. Uh, and then I watched a new, another new movie to me last night for the first time. I don't know if anyone has seen this. It's called Scary Movie, and it's not the Wayans Brothers Scary oh, Movie. Good. It was made oh, the- in 1991. Oh yes. John John Hawks? Yeah, yes. John Hawks. Yeah. Okay, yes. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet. I uh, picked up the Blu-ray probably like six or so months ago on Amazon used. like It's it's from the um, AGFA collection, the American Genre oh, Film Association. Nice. Really nice, you know, collector's edition Blu-ray. Um, I had heard about this, like, urban legend of this movie, sort of. I think uh, Elijah Wood has is, is praised it a lot. Um, 
trying to think of who else. There, there's been a lot of uh, people saying it's like sort of like a proto Scream or a proto, uh, you know, it's it's or Tucker and Dale reminded me a lot of that. Um, yeah, I can see it's, that. It's it's a very low budget movie made in Texas in the early '90s. Um, it and, totally feels like early '80s though. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. And, you know, again, it has John Hawks, which they put everywhere, you know, has, even has Butch, uh, Butch Patrick in it. Um, but, oh, yeah, again, sort of funny, like you guys talking earlier about what will pull you out of a movie. Like the, the audio on this kept pulling me out because they, they have hard S's that do that hiss. Mm. You know, when they say S, it sounds like the speaker's sort of blowing out. That drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, but other than that, this movie is basically about... It stars a young uh, John Hawks, and he is this sort of paranoid nerd who's lined up to go into a haunted house with some people, and an escaped mental patient, um, it, well, a, a mental patient escapes, and he's convinced that this mental patient is in the haunted house killing people, but um, it's sort of in Tucker Dale versus Evil uh style he he is so paranoid he's he's starts accidentally killing the people in the haunted house trying to protect himself from this escape mental patient that he thinks is in there and he starts going crazy because he's so scared and it's both funny and sort of ahead of its time and i had a blast watching it it's like perfect halloween watching it takes place at a haunted house on halloween and it's a it's it's a lot of fun yeah it it is yeah really cool and I'm I'm guessing Mike's the only one that's that's seen it besides <laughs> me. But uh, this was a blind buy for me, and probably could become one of those that you watch every year around Halloween time. Has a good Halloween vibe to it. And you weren't sad it wasn't the Wayans movie. No, I I, I, I grateful. Okay. I will no. I will admit. <laughs> recently, I sat down and watched those on like uh, what was it Pluto TV or something? It was on. I watched like three of those movies. So. I like those movies too. Uh, scary, scary movie two, with Chris Elliott and the strong hand. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, My I don't dude. care. I dare you to watch that and not fucking laugh. So, oh it's, yeah, it, the first two are good. It just all goes down. Uh, oh yeah, by the fourth one, it just goes down the drain. But um, that's what I watched. Had a lot of fun, and I have a lot more to watch before uh, I, I say goodbye to the spooky season. So. You made me think of one more thing I saw was uh, it was a kind of a live movie called How Redneck Saved Hollywood. Oh yeah, that was a pretty good. That was a pretty good movie. That was a good time. I mean, we had Joe Bob in our presence. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, he came to your theater, man. <coughs> he was in my car, man. He, was, <laughs> he and Darcy, and they were having a good old time. Once we got his bag here, they had a good old time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was a rough start. If anything can go wrong, it will with me. But um, <laughs> we hey, figured good out. Show. It was a great show. You pulled it out. Yes, and he was happy, <laughs> and I was happy. Yeah, he pulled it out. Um, <laughs> no, it was it was a memorable experience um, for sure. I think I aged twenty five years Maybe. in one weekend. But uh, your hero, though, in your car hanging out. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, ate yeah, ate Thai food with Joe Bob Briggs at the tiny little Thai restaurant in downtown Burlington, <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Crazy. Joe Bob and the Drive-In King. Yeah. 
and then got to hang out with my friends at the theater while Joe Bob was there signing stuff. So <laughs> it was a good weekend. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, here at Attack of the Killer podcast, your votes do matter. Here's Jason with Pole Position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. All right, let's take a quick look back at episode 271's Pole Position. The question, what are the best island horror films? Do you remember your answers? Fine, I'll tell you. Insane Mike says, Raw Force, Anthropophagus. Yeah. Brian... (laughs) <laughs> Not me. Brian Clark says, Matango, Island of Lost Souls. Tad says, Zombie, and The Lighthouse. Andy says, Battle Royale, with cheese and <laughs> The Wicker Man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's what they call that movie in France. Well, there's a first time. We got a goose from Tad. He's last place. Well, yeah, he, he picked The Lighthouse. I know. I know. So... Third place, Andy, 14.3% of the votes. Wow. I know, I know. Wow, those I, those, I, those I, ones I thought were top-notch. Those are good. So Mike's already posturing, like this, like our guest didn't win or something. But on, so first place with 57.1% of the vote. Something's wrong here, but Insane Mike won it. Yes! So, sorry, Brian. Yes. Raw sorry. force, dude. Raw That's force. that can't be why. Oh, I'm sure all the Brett and Tony guys uh, voted for that one. Then. Did, yeah, I made them watch that yeah. movie, didn't I? Yes. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh huh. Well, anyway, let's get into this episode's poll position. The question: What is the actual worst horror movies of all time? Now I know that we all like things ironically and because they're bad. But what about the worst movies of all time? The actual, I'm staring you down, Mike. The act, I wonder if you even have movies. List. Do you really? Yeah, because again, there's a, di- okay, we're going to get into this All debate right. again. So we're going to do our normal two round snake draft. Uh, here we go. Let's go to the random sequence generator. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, beep. Oh, shit. Mike's first. Gosh, dang it. And then Andy. Oh. That's bullshit. Oh, and then me. <laughs> and then Tad on the turn. Okay. I'm bullshit. Well, anyway, moving on. Uh, so insane! My so yeah, you actually had movies that are that you think are some of the actual worst movies of all time. You're up first. first I don't pick, know if I want to go first, honestly, because this is a tough choice. Yep. A, you have to declare the worst film of all time in your opinion. I know it's a lot of pressure. Um, looking at the king. list here. Looking at the list. <laughs> I I guess for my first one, I'm going to go with Jeepers Creepers 3. Damn it, it was definitely on my list. Ooh. That movie is trash. Let's make a horror movie about the truck. Well, okay. that would have been fine, but... A truck that has very bad CGI uh, that has traps in it that physically cannot be there. Yeah, there's a bed that eats though. I mean, I mean, it's not all that oh, far. It's on the list. <laughs> oh, no. all right, that's a good. That's a fantastic 101 pick. That's definitely up there. All right, Andy, you're here with number two. Well, I damn near made you guys watch it again because I'm a nasty <laughs> son of a bitch. Here it comes. But yeah, I mean, what no, else right was I gonna down. say? 
What else was it's it's clowner guys? Well, yeah. I should have said that just to take it away from you. <laughs> yeah. That, well, it is the, literally the shittiest piece of shit that has ever slid out of a slimy, <laughs> shitty shithole. <laughs> peek behind the curtains when Mike asked us to pick our films. That's obviously Andy's choice, but like we spent like two weeks tatting me just being <laughs> like, but really. Pick something else, please. There has to be something else. Don't make us watch that again. And he wasn't budging. <laughs> he didn't forever. I'm like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> Thank God we've moved I, on I, Well, I, 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 was, I was just like, yeah, I, should, I don't really want to watch it again. But I just wanted to be, I just wanted you guys to sweat. I did. I just oh, wanted you guys to sweat. Jesus. Congratulations. <laughs> well, all right. This one will be easy for <sighs> Shoot. There's so many... I just kept going. I'm like, yeah, the guy who loves everything. I'm like, I would get to a dozen and I had to stop. I better stop. Uh, my pick, Sledgehammer. Fuck that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, that thing. I forgot. Yeah. Can't. Ride horsey on my sag saddle anytime. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, Ted, you're on the turn. You get to pick four and five. Things and Leprechaun 4 in space. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Leprechaun 4 in space was on my list. Awesome. It's fucking awful. One of the worst times I've had on this show. I Sitting through that. It wasn't fun. Yeah, Mike. It, no. Not it's, cool. It's, it's, it's definitely <laughs> one of those that's not I, even fun in an ironic. I, no, I, not I, at all. I actually bought that off a of pay-per-view back when I, when I was in high school. <laughs> I, like, I think I own it somewhere in like a Leprechaun <laughs> collection. So, <coughs> Hmm. That's good. Those are good picks. Well, that puts me back on the clock. Oh, man. Oh, there's... I got some on... There's plenty on here. Gosh dang it. Well, there's... Oh, I could say one that would really shake things up, but I don't think I can. I have to do it. The deathbed. Death. God damn it. The bed that eats. The movie's great. See, that's... Where you lose your credibility. It's fun and hilarious. and. But you said great. Yeah. How can it be great? Because it's fun and hilarious. Okay. And you're not sure exactly what you're watching. Andy! Uh, one just came into my mind, but it's just <laughs> like, I, I can't hate on it because it's just so bad it's it's good. And Thanks Killing is just awesome. But... um. <laughs> Gobble, gobble, motherfucker. Is that your um, pick? No, it's okay. not. No, it's not. But some people probably think it's really stupid. But I'm going to say this was it. This was so bad and such a disappointment. It has to go on here. And I'm going to say The Fog from 2005. It's bad. Oh, you mean Window Breaks, the movie? Uh-huh. 2000, what was it? Five? Five, Five I think, yeah. That was on my list, too. Oh, yeah. And Mike, close us out. All right. So, again, so many freaking movies here. <laughs> I'm going to go with probably the most pointless movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, boy. And that is the 2016 version of Cabin Fever. Yeah. It's on my list. Mm. Yep. You hated this movie. It's pointless. <laughs> yeah, it there's no reason you shouldn't have just made it. Well, all right. Anybody got some honorable mentions? Make oh, it quick. Yeah. We got a long show. Blair Witch 2. 
Come on. <laughs> I knew that was going to get the reaction, so I did it. <laughs> Just for that, jerk. Uh, one missed call, probably. Yeah. The remake, right? The American. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, Sharknado almost no. made my list. No, it has Justin on in it. Fuck so him. That and puts that it up. He's in. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> That's, I'm going to change my answer and put that back. That was almost the one I picked, too, for my second. <laughs> I oh, have the Bye Bye Man on yep. there. I know you hated that. Oh, it, the dialogue in that movie is about as juvenile as the title of the movie. Bye Bye Man. Phantasm <laughs> Five Ravager. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh, sadly. dang it. Yeah, you're right. I don't yeah. want to say it, I but know. it's just... Uh. Well, ju- coming from that franchise makes it significantly yep. worse. Like, to end the yeah. franchise on that note is... T- mm-hmm. It yeah. makes Halloween ends think, you know... <laughs> you want to complain about ending a franchise right. bad. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. I got the Prom Night remake on there, 2008. Uh, yeah. yeah. House of the Dead. Oh, yeah, House of the Dead. I could pick some fucking movies for that we're going to discuss later, but oh, uh, I didn't want to bury man. the lead. Um, <laughs> I also had Night Living Dead 3D, the one with Sid Haig oh, in you it. you hated that too. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I Know Who Killed Me is probably oh, pretty yeah. shitty. Yeah. Uh, what else do they have? I One and three of the Human <laughs> Centipede movies. <laughs> Gave Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street remake, yeah. Did y'all see uh, Critter's Attack? No. Which one was uh, that one? Was that the that... movie, or was that the one that Shudder chopped up into a miniseries? I thought it was, a, well, it was 90 minutes-ish worth of stuff. I can't remember. Uh, Next Generation, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was on my list. I was scared to say that because I, I feel know. like the community's coming around on that movie. No. For I, some yeah, it's reason. it's kind of grown. It's kind of grown on me a little bit. You know, it's like a robotic yeah. leg. Right. Yeah, Halloween two, two thousand nine. That was almost a <laughs> no, almost no, a no. Wrong. Not worse. Come on. How about the movie Bats with Lou Diamond oh, you Phillips? Hate that. Freaking hate a guy who's terrified of bats. I saw it in the theater and it affected me. In no way. <laughs> There's another one called Rats that I think Tommy Lee Wallace did, right? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure there is. And then the last one I had on my list was Return of Living Dead, Rave to the Grave. Mm. Yeah. Well, all right, everybody, get your butts over to Twitter. Get your votes into who you think picked the actual worst horror movies of all time. That's at AOTKP, and that's Pole Position. All right, so it's time to get into our movies for this episode. And I just want to, I have a note here at the beginning before we get into it, that two out of the four films are based on video games. (laughs) And both of those films have opening text crawls that explain things, but yet still doesn't explain anything. So Andy, what is the first film we're going to talk about tonight? Our first film comes to us from 2005, and it is called Alone in the Dark. I learned the truth a long time ago. Being afraid of the dark is what keeps most of us alive. I can't believe it. It's happening again. What's going on, Carnby? That's what I'm trying to figure out here. Some gateways should never be opened. Hello? 
Hello? Some fears should never be seen. I don't think we're supposed to be here. And some terrors can never be stopped. Every culture's got a story about the end of the world, doesn't it? But not every story starts to become true. Get more bodies down here now! I don't believe this shit. Who's that? After putting up with Busey and Knotts and their bullshit, you pick this movie? Alone in the Dark? Really? In fact, if you saw this movie in the theater, that's exactly what you would have been. Alone <laughs> in the Dark. Christian's here. Christ Almighty. You could have picked anything. Interview with the Vampire, Star Trek VI, Gleaming the Cube. You could have drooled over my sister's tits and the legend of Billie Jean. Jesus Christ. Pump up the volume. Anything but this. Volume? Did you say volume? Are you holding Slater? Volume. Busey, you idiot. Volume. Let me get to the premise. In 1967, mine workers find the remnants of an ancient vanished civilization named Akbani that believe there are worlds of light and darkness. When they opened the gate between these worlds 10,000 years ago, something evil slipped through before the gate was closed. 22 years ago, the Government Paranormal Research Agency Bureau 713 was directed by Professor Lionel Hudgens, who performed experiments with orphaned children. In the present day, one of these children is a paranormal investigator, Edward Carnby, me, who has just gotten an Akbani artifact in South America and is chased by a man with abilities. When an old friend of the foster house disappears in the middle of the night, it discloses that demons are coming back to Earth. With the support of anthropologist Eileen Cedrak, eh, fuck it, it doesn't matter, and the leader of the Bureau 713, Commander, Commander Richard Burke, and his squad, they battle against these evil creatures. That's it, pretty much, gave or take. First of all, let's tackle the obvious fact that Huey Bull has a major hard-on for the Wachowski sisters. Play hard rock, show a lot of bullet time, and make sure said firefight is in a pitch-dark room so nobody can make sense of it. Furthermore, if you're in a head-on collision, jump off a building, get kicked through a window, or even shot out of a fucking cannon, your sunglasses are going to stay on. Even if you're going headfirst into a fucking wood chipper, Yui's going to make sure that you look cool. That reminds me of the time I wore sunglasses and lethal weapon. And... Nothing just sometimes me that reminds me of that one time I wore sunglasses. <laughs> Gary, go smoke your cigar on the bench over there, please. Sure thing gives me gives me a little bit of time to practice practice a little engine that could. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, I inhale the smoke and then I pull my shorts down and then the smoke comes out a little Gary like a smoke stack on a choo-choo. Engine engine number nine on my little panty line. <laughs> 
Fucking go. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> Where? Oh, yeah. I was even in this movie, and I couldn't even make total sense of the premise. I wasn't sure if it was me or the orphan friends that were supposed to take over the world, or if it was the monsters I was fighting from the Akpani legends of old. My co-stars probably didn't know either. Stefan Dwarf, who I'm, who might have grown an inch or two since the gate was since he was in the gate, was his running a federally funded paranormal unit that my character used to be in, and of course has it out for me. And of course I have an upset female interest played by Tara Reid. Tara Reid plays a museum curator about as convincing as your average politician or televangelist. <laughs> I suppose the glasses gave her, they gave her were supposed to help. All in all, I got to do a backflip kick that could easily, to a guy that could easily be Todd Farmer's stunt double, so I guess it's not so terrible. And if you actually believe I did that kick, then you probably were the only one alone in the dark at Alone in the Dark. I think it's a masterpiece. <laughs> really, Donnie? Oh, hell yeah. Tell me more. I think you really captured the essence of a rugged man trying to come to terms with his traumatic past. You encapsulated the hero's journey with style and grace, yet with a brawny subtext. Wow, you really mean that? Fuck no, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> this this turd makes reality TV look like fucking Fellini. <laughs> I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I could. <laughs> I knew it, but I walked right into it anyway. Not that I give a shit, but what did you guys think? I'm intimidated now as Christian Slater here to say anything bad about this movie. I know. But I'm oh, no, anyway. I can't free. find anything I can't find anything good to say about it either, so So my thing is like Ooey Bull, right? Right. Right. Ooey Bull. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh some of his stuff, like I can still enjoy House of the Dead for the train wreck that it is. Just because there's something that's going on. But this movie is bad on a boring level. And it doesn't really explain what's going on at all. You know, if your star is confused about the plot, then what what, uh, what do we have to hope for? I, just, I don't know what's going on. But uh, my favorite character in this movie was the exposition security guard who uh, every <laughs> line of dialogue out of his mouth was just explaining things. Like... Uh, you know, you're not supposed to open that crate. Uh, <laughs> you know, just like when your your boyfriend died six months ago. You know, like what? Anyway, yeah, it sucks. Information but, dump. But like, uh, the, there's a cast, right? I mean, yeah, there's maybe, real yeah, actors yeah. in this. That's what that's what makes it maybe possibly worse. Uh, you, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, Tara Reid, this is, oh. what, 2005? She seen. was, like, in the middle. Like, she was past her, like, American Pie days, but not quite at her, like, I don't know, now, like, Sharknado She was quasi-relevant. She, yeah, she was not her uh, in her Sharknado days yet, I guess you could say. But uh, oh, I don't know where to go with this. Um, 
Christian, not your best work. I'm glad that you uh, came back after this and did, you know, Mr. Robot and some other fantastic things uh, to to show that. I you... thought he was fine, though. I mean, he's, just what he, he had, had to work with. He had to work with. myself yeah. sometime. Yeah. Right. But it's like a lot of times you do. I mean, Tara Reid never recovered. You know, it's uh-huh. like they, this could have bombed his career and turned him into, you know, straight I to video. You haven't seen Josie and the Pussycats then. That's a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. But I'm just saying, like, uh, this is my first time watching this um, for a Yui Hopefully Bowl. Hopefully your last. Yeah, absolutely will be my last. But for a Yui Bowl movie, I've, it's not his worst. Uh, that's for sure. That's not saying much, but, I mean, at least this had some, clearly had a budget and production value. Like, yeah. it had some, a few people knew what they were doing. Um, maybe not him, but it's like, after seeing some of his other stuff, uh, like Postal, I mean, this is like fucking masterpiece compared to that. But it's still, it, I just, it, it, there was a time in film, like in horror, like this, this time right in here, and and the time a few years earlier, a movie we're going to be talking about later, where they just all sort of bleed together for me, and I'll get into more of that with our. Th- fourth movie later but um yeah this is not worth a I, I will not be watching this a second time i will not be revisiting this um sorry christian probably the only redeeming quality is the end credits because i like that Nightwish song <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was the first time watch for me too and yeah this wasn't so good i just thought it was i mean i was i i, I Tara, uh, Tara Reed is the single worst actor I've ever like. She's number one on my least favorite actor list. Like, I just fair assessment. I, I hate her. She sucks so bad. Just at everything. And then, but like, I thought you, Christian. I, again, I thought you did the best you could with what you had to work with. I enjoyed your acting. It's just the words coming out of your mouth. You know what can you do? I just thought it was just written into the fucking ground. Like, it was, like, so goddamn confusing and, and pretentious and and just overwritten. It just made it so complicated and just, I fucking didn't care at all. Yeah. So Me I, neither. Yeah. <laughs> and it's too bad. Sometimes you got to try and polish a turd. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a reason this movie is on a lot of worst horror movies of all time lists. It just isn't so good. For sure. Well, I hope you guys, hope you gentlemen had a good time opening up this wound for me. <laughs> You're welcome. And thank you, Christian, yeah, for, thanks for stopping uh, by. You know, helping us out here reviewing this movie. Yeah, thanks for fucking picking it, Dick. <laughs> hey, Andy picked that it. Fucking Andy not guy, us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that and of course guy. he died. And he fucking bails when it comes time to talk about it. Yeah. I'd be embarrassed too. Yeah, that yeah. guy. Fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Tad, uh, do you have any trivia for Alone in the Dark? There's quite a bit on this one. Um, I'll keep it minimal because I don't want to talk any more about this movie than I have to. Um, the lengthy opening text crawl was added after numerous test audience members <laughs> said they were confused by the plot. No kidding. Huh. The text call uh, is even more makes it even more confusing. <laughs> possibly, yeah. <laughs> um, 
After execs read the green draft of the shooting script, the film got an additional $10 million to its budget. Uh, Yui Bull poured the money into special effects, clearly not writing or... In, yeah. Um, and then uh, one thing, one time everyone might agree with him. He stated on various occasions that he regretted having Tara Reid in the film. Now, his reasoning is not so great. Is because uh, she had a no nudity clause in her contract, and he tried to convince her to do a nude scene anyways. And when she wouldn't, he treated her like shit for the rest of the filming. Oh, not, cool. not cool. Um, <clears throat> and uh, this was one of the two films that received an F cinema score from audiences upon the re- upon its release in 2005. The other was Wolf Creek, surprisingly. What? Wow. And one more, just because it's really short. Um, Yui Bull wanted Christian Bale and Jessica Alba for the leads of this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I gave it to him. <laughs> wrong, wrong Christian. Uh-huh. Wow. And that's how it got to him. Like, right. Oh, what it, other Christians do you know? I like that yeah. name. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Yui's a fucking Satanist. Or a sadist, at least. <laughs> that's what i have for trivia well thank you for that tad um so let's move on to the next film and we'll turn it right back to tad what's our next film we're going to talk about the next film is my pick and it is john carpenter's village of the damned at precisely 10 a.m in a quiet seaside village something happened something Unexplainable. Something unbelievable. There's a lot of pregnancies, much more than would normally be expected. All the pregnancies seem to date from the day of the blackout. Now, this town is about to discover that looks can kill. There have been a few casualties. I should say, accidents. That might be related to contact with the children. My daughter was involved. Who are they? They have one mind that they share between them. Father? Let us pray. You've been discussing us with Dr. Vern. What did she tell you? You're hiding something. The police can't do anything to stop the children. Get out while you can. Something so much more powerful than we'll ever be. What are you gonna do? The only thing that we can do. You can't stop us, you know. Don't try. Okay, Village of the Damned from 1995, the John Carpenter remake. That's not the thing. Um, <laughs> this is one that I I watched a long, long time ago when I first sort of started getting into like like I got really heavy in the Carpenter and wanted to see everything he had done. And it wasn't necessarily I sort of cheated because I don't even remember if what my thoughts on this really were. Um, but I, it didn't leave a lasting impression, so I guess that counts. 
stars Christopher Reeve um, as Dr. Alan Chaffee. He's fantastic in this, his last film before his tragic accident hmm. um, left him paralyzed. And then uh, Kirstie Alley as a, an unbelievable doctor. Speaking of, you know, people who right. I, I don't believe is smart um, doctors, her and Tara Reed have that in common. Uh-huh. Uh, some really, f- uh, Mark Hamill's fantastic in this. Yeah. Yeah. Really yep. liked him. Um, we had some some John Carpenter regulars, Peter Jason. I think I saw Buck Flowers in there as the uh, janitor. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Michael Pere. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, basically the story was told in that trailer. Uh, one day everybody faints in this small town, and when they wake up, uh, they realize that many of the women in this town are pregnant, and they're pregnant at the same dating to the day that everyone passed out. No one knows what happened. And when they have these kids, they all come out and they all have stark white hair and they all seem to have a hive mind. And bad things start happening to the adults, very Children of the Corn-esque. Um, man, this isn't Carpenter's worst movie, that's for sure. Um, True. You know, it's, yeah. I, I, I found this actually very watchable. It was, it's not, yeah. a, a, not a good John Carpenter movie, but not it, it, John Carpenter's worst is still better than most people's best. Uh, so... <laughs> that's uh, true. I still found things to enjoy about this. I thought Christopher Reeve was, was fantastic in this. Uh, You know, it it has some really cool death scenes when the, when the baby makes the woman stick her arm in the soup. That's awesome. Uh, And the kids are creepy. Um, Trying to find, you know, things I really liked about it. Buck flowers scene was brutal. (laughs) The kids make him jump onto a fucking mop or broomstick impaling him. Uh, I, like I said, I really liked Mark Hamill as a reverend. I thought he was really cool, and and I, you know, just seeing him in this and body bags, like it was cool that Carpenter like used him later in his career, and just I don't know, man. Like I, maybe this this would be something I'd revisit. You know, it's not it, maybe it's because I'm I'm putting it next to Resident Evil and Alone in the Dark, but uh, I thought this was. Oh, more, that's good. One of the more watchable out of this. I mean, I, I've yeah. seen Van, I've seen Ghost of Mars and Memoirs of Invisible Man. So I, if I can convert, forgive Carpenter for those, I can certainly find things to enjoy in this. I'm glad we watched this. Um, I'm I, you're you're dead on with uh, Christy Alley. Basically, I think she was in there to smoke cigarettes and throw around word salad. Uh, you know all this me- uh, medical jargon. It's like, would you really even trust a a doctor that is just chain smoking like all the time? <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. But, um, uh, yeah, I I really liked it. I mean, I think you know they played uh, Buck Flower to his strengths. Whenever you need like a just a real grumbly like old guy that drinks a lot, you know, and the drunk janitor yeah. from Simpsons. Yeah, or yeah, I mean he 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 plays this this boozing hobo in They Live, and he plays yep. the drunk janitor in Slime Bowl Bolarama. You know, he's just he's he's very good in that role. Um, you know, it's also nice to see, like I said, Michael Pere. It's good to see him. Um, Linda Kozwalski, I think, is her name. It's good to see her in a movie that's not fucking Crocodile Dundee. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I think the beginning of this movie is really, really strong, you know, because you're getting introduced to this intimate, you know, town that's that's small and everything, and just like, 
the 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 whole inciting incident of them passing out is just like okay wow yeah now i'm really invested less like why why is this happening and uh like you said the the death scenes are really really strong like especially when the guy passed out on the grill and it oh, just yeah. fried, fried oh, him yeah, to that death was cool. that was awesome awesome stuff um and sometimes I like to say that, you know, I would at least last, like, maybe I might get one punch in on Freddy or Jason or, you know, I least might be able to run. I'm dead in 10 seconds flat in this movie. I am so fucking dead with these put kids. Up the brick wall. Oh, hell no. My first thought would be like, <laughs> well, you're a creepy little fucker, ain't you? Oh, my you know? yep. Yeah, it's like you little ugly fucking peroxide drinking little bastard. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just like, oh, you know, but, uh, you know, and then, uh, what's it, uh, yeah, like all the star power, what's, what's her face? Uh, the one that committed suicide in this, uh, jumped off the cliff. No, well, yeah, she committed suicide, but the girl that started drinking because she didn't like, uh, what's, what's her name? Uh, she's like with Patton Oswalt now, uh. She's the one that had the the stillborn child in this. There's Meredith Salinger. Yeah. Thank right? you. Thank you. Yeah, her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just just seeing you know all these you know you know he got pretty good names for this and uh, yeah um, basically yeah very very creepy kids. Um, I don't. I don't remember it being like with you know all the because it, it's been a while since I've watched it. But with you know them turn the cops turn making them turn on each other. And oh, stuff. that was rad too. Yeah, the cops shoot yeah. each other. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I agree with Tad. Not Carpenter's best, but definitely not his worst. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't have much to say. I just love the seeing. I love seeing the faces in in this. You know, like Mark Hamill with was great and i'm trying to think of any other people that were that really there's a guy sp- named uh cody dorkin which i thought was funny <laughs> <laughs> dorkin karen oh. Kahn, constance forceland thomas decker uh thomas decker sounds familiar pippa pear three pears per three i don't know i'm just like reading off the imdb linda kozlowski michael yeah. pear yeah good cast yeah, I I'm um I'm glad that you uh got a second chance on it and didn't mind it cuz I, I like this movie too a lot and uh yeah the kids are creepy. Uh I love them. I, I, it feels always like a Stephen King movie to me with just the concept of this just mm-hmm. this circle of this little, East Coast town. This town just yeah. I, I wouldn't even know that they passed out. Like, did they die? I don't know. You didn't even know for a while. And mm. it was neat that they were playing with the where the line is, you know, and go too far and you go down. And anyway, so the the concept is awesome, I thought. Um, I, uh, yeah, I liked it. the kills were cool. It was K and B, so, so all the makeup was great. Oh, yeah. Um, I kind of scoffed with the uh, grill person because I'm like, they, they, that's, they would just fall off. Of right, it. They, they couldn't actually be sitting there and dead. They would have fallen to the ground. It doesn't make that took me out of it. But uh, um, was I gonna? It looked cool. Oh, it looked cool. But I'm like, how's he standing? Um, 
yeah, I yeah, the kids are creepy. He I wasn't liked... done yet. Oh, that's it. Okay. It wasn't his desire. <laughs> he didn't like his meat that way. Um, yeah, Christopher Reeves was awesome, and I'll, yeah, it, it was just a nice little story. I, I it's not that I needed a big gigantic climactic ending, but uh, it just kind of ends, you know. Just with the way you think it kind of would, sorta, you know, just nice and just kind of over. I enjoyed all the model work though in this too. There's there's a bunch of it, not just the barn exploding at the end, but when he drives that truck into the gas thing, that's clearly a, a model. T- there's a lot of cool model work in it, miniature work. I mean, um, yeah. But Mike, you've been really quiet. Got me nervous. Probably too slow for you. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, I wouldn't say slow. Just kind of bland uh, especially being a john carpenter film um i didn't hate it but it definitely felt more like a paycheck to john carpenter to me mm-hmm. um or maybe response of you well you fuckers didn't like what i did with the thing here you go it's just a straight up remake of village of the damned and i'm not going to offer anything new man just putting some narrative into that man. i'm just you know, it just it just didn't really feel like it had any much of his touches. Other than I did, I, I agree. Like the the shootout with between the cops and the and the military when they show up, I thought was pretty epic. Felt really John Carpentery as far as like some of that doom and gloom that you get. Um, yeah, I kind of agree. It it just kind of ends, you know, and you get. You know, you get kind of an ambiguous ending, yet it's just it still didn't feel as impactful as like most yeah. of John Carpenter's ambiguous endings. Uh, I did enjoy the first half more than the second half. I thought I liked the mystery of everybody mm-hmm. being passed out and that and like you said, kind of that line drawn in the sand, the yeah. invisible barrier of yep. of where you know. Um, where you pass out and they can't they can't do anything about it because as soon as you cross that line you pass out so you get that that cool scene i like where they tie the rope around the cop because yeah and send him in with a gas mask just so they can pull him back out uh because because yeah should have done that in annihilation (laughs) (laughs) it's like the the shoestring budget version yeah pull them out of the pull pull the girls out of the shimmer see if they're but yeah, it just uh I remember watching it back in the day and it's a good movie, just uh just a little on the bland side and it, it didn't really improve with age for me. But I didn't yeah, I didn't hate it and it's not John Carpenter's worst film. And I agree John Carpenter's worst film is better than a lot of other films. So it's it's a good movie and, and yeah, and I agree, cast is great. Um Awesome cast. Even back then, I was always happy to see Mark Hamill pop up in something because you did not see that very often considering who he was. So when he would show up in things like this or Body Bags or The Giver, it always brought a big smile on my face. What's that? (laughs) Corvette Summer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because I've always felt like he has amazing acting chops he could be a guy that if he could just get out of the shadows of star wars that he could be a gary oldman and and disappear into into roles so 
but just I never really felt like he got that chance. So it was cool, and this is definitely a character out of the Mark Hamill mold. I felt. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, you know I didn't hate it, but again, it's just not. You know, could be could be a little a little better, a little more entertaining. But what trivia do we have about Village of the Dam, Tad? Well, you like let it perfectly in the transition because sort of your feelings are correct. In a 2011 interview, John Carpenter described this film as a contractual assignment, which he had no real passion for. Um, so this mm. was just like a job to him. Um, they offered it to him. It was a you know a big budget at Universal, like an actual film film. Um, so he took it and he did it, and it was a job to him, but uh, not you know, a passion project. Um, obvious that this one, everyone sort of knows this is the final feature film completed by Christopher Reeve before, uh, his horse riding accident. And then, uh, one I thought was really interesting. Um, the film was shot in Western Marin County, California, and Carpenter had a house wow. in Inverness for several years. So the location was essentially his second home at the time. Um, as he put it, his own backyard, uh, but the locals were not happy to see the film crew in the area, so they made the shoot very difficult by harassment and vandalism. Uh, Carpenter tells that while they were filming, for example, a sound take, a neighbor would start mowing his lawn or start up a chainsaw until he was paid to stop. Uh, some of the people even tried to break into the equipment trucks. The whole experience essentially soured Carpenter on living in the area uh, where several scenes of his earlier film, The Fog, were also filmed, and he moved out. He was so pissed about it, he packed up and left town. Yeah, good for oh, him. Oh, man. And then one really cool one. Um, he invited Wolf Rilla, the director of the original Village of the Dam, to the set, and uh, Rilla ob- obliged and visited the set with his wife. So cool. Uh, very cool, a very Carpenter move to like invite the original director, and I thought that was pay cool. O- pay homage. Yeah. Well, one more thought um, based on me feeling like it was a work for hire and not John Carpenter putting much into it is that throughout the you know this movie goes through a lot of time and and, and I like how it doesn't get super jumpy you like you get especially when they're pregnant leading up because you know you learn that they're pre- the girl the women are pregnant and then the next plot point is dealing with these creepy children, right? But he he doesn't just jump cut to he does like montages and transitions leading into the next part of our story, which I I liked. It didn't wasn't all jumpy in that regard. Um, I would have liked to have seen a lot more um, uh, physical appearance of passage of time, especially dealing with this. I mean this. These kids, obviously, they make comments throughout the film, even, that dealing with these kids has put a lot of stress on the parents and has put a lot of uh, dark cloud over this town, and you don't really get a feeling for that physically, as, you know, maybe, like, you know, the town is deteriorating, or... Or you know uh, the the people in the town aren't aren't so fifties nuclear family looking as they are in the first half of the film. I I, I that was I feel like something that was missing that I I would feel like John Carpenter 
if this was a passion project for him that we we would have seen you know and and that was the my last thought I, I that just hit me that I didn't get to express. But thanks for trivia again, Ted. Of course. And Jason, what is our next film? The film I chose to give a second chance to was 1996's Tim Burton spectacular <laughs> Mars Attacks. coming out live my fellow americans this is a momentous occasion it is profoundly moving to know there is intelligent life out there alien life and our world will never feel quite the same again once you believe martians please come to earth please once you rise above fear annihilate kill kill let's not be too rash then you'll be invited Hi there. Are you interested in the White House? To meet with a new people. It's so perfect that it's happening at the beginning of the new millennium. More powerful than the might of America. I'll tell you one thing, they ain't getting a TV. More advanced than the brains of Britain. Ladies and gentlemen, this could be a cultural misunderstanding. But be prepared for a few changes to what we know and love. I'm Jones, right? It ain't unusual. As we must learn to dance. Girls, get out! To a new tune. Jack Nicholson. Whoa. Why can't we all just get along? Glenn Close. Kick the crap out of them. Pierce Brosnan. What, in your view, are some of the things that the Martians can teach us, Professor? Quite a lot about Mars, I expect, Natalie. That means Danny DeVito. You want to conquer the world? You're going to need lawyers, right? And Annette Bening. I think they've come to save us. From director Tim Burton. Hey. We all make mistakes, Mr. President. Mars attacks. Not anymore. We're going to take charge of this thing. A fleet of Martian spacecraft surrounds the world's major cities and all of humanity waits to see if the extraterrestrial visitors have, as they claim, Come in peace. U.S. President James Dale, played by Jack Nicholson, receives assurance from science professor Donald Kessler, played by Pierce Brosnan, that the Martians' mission is a friendly one. But when a peaceful exchange ends in the total annihilation of the U.S. Congress, military men call for a full-scale nuclear retaliation. So... I purposely uh, didn't put my <laughs> review up on uh, so that you guys could see it, and uh, or for Mike couldn't see it because I didn't. I don't know. He's here's here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't like this movie when it first came out. I know you still don't, and I like it even less now. What stuff? Oh. So like. How does anyone like this movie? 
all I could do the entire movie was just like, I just get I'm like, this is so stupid. This is so stupid. Like, it's claimed as a as a parody film, and I'm like, what's the parody? Like, what are you paradising? Why does anything in this movie even matter? Everyone dies. Everyone gets shot. There's no... Why is any of... Oh, my gosh. I had such a hard time. I tried, guys. I really did try. I watched the whole thing, and I I really sat down to give it a chance. But I, I just... I just thought it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's... I would say it's a parody on how damn dumb and gullible humanity can be how damn dumb our government and our congress can be um this is the second time i've watched this and i and i like this movie even more now um the cast is great uh what a fucking cast holy shit has there ever been a bigger cast than this yeah this is this is one of my go-to one of my go-to movies when i play the six degrees game and How did it convince that many people to be in this? It's the, 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 I, the thing is, it's so damn campy and so damn fun. You know, going into this, you're not going to take this seriously. So not going into it, take, going into it, not taking it seriously. It makes the deaths in it less impactful. You're just like, oh, okay, well, it was good to see him when I got to see him, you know, like, you know, Normally, whenever I would see, if I would see like Michael J. Fox die in any movie at all, ever, I would be crushed. But I'm okay with him dying in this movie because I'm, he got shot by a ray gun from a Martian. I mean, that's not really going to bother me. But um, yeah, it's just, it's so absurd. Um, uh, you know, and it's just like, you know, you you know that there would be people out there like these these hippies and you know people with like you know like the way Annette Benning had like the crystals and she's you know you know channeling her chakras, but at the same time you know that there'd be sleazy dipshits like Jack Nicholson's other character in this art. You know, he would still have like Americans would still have like this stupid capitalistic attitude trying to capitalize it and and make a buck while the the world is literally melting around them you know and i think that's what the satire and the parody truly is i didn't laugh once like there's nothing funny about this movie like it's not funny in any way you're breaking mike's heart you are i I think you like it because of the of what it represents of the time period of the movies it's mocking or trying to uh, uh, homage. homage. Like, I think you're tying that into it because we like 50s movies. We like the, the, the nuclear war era films and things. But, like, I don't get it. Well, I, I love this movie. I've always loved it since I first saw it in the theater when it came out. And I've watched it several times. It's been a while since I've watched it uh, for this episode. Um, getting to watch it again was so much fun for me. Uh, I think it's I think it's pretty funny. Uh, I, I always felt like one of the complaints about the film is that it just... 
it is too big of a cast, too big of a main star cast, and too many characters before it gets to the goods. And I can see that to a point. I think we can lose a few here and there. As much as I love Michael J. Fox, we could have we could have gotten rid of him. We could have gotten rid of Danny DeVito. You know, there's there's a lot of <laughs> I kind of liked him. Oh, I do too. Oh. I do too. You know, his he's got some he's got some good lines in there, but it's. But to introduce a character, again, this goes back to how Halloween ends. To introduce a character so late into the story, you know, like there's no, there's no need for it to be there. It just kind of gets in the way. Um, oh, but I, and I, but I love some of the, some of the sub-stories. Like, uh, um, uh, what's his name? The, the boxer guy. Uh, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Jim Brown and worst actor of all and, Pam Greer. And, and you know and and Pam Greer and that relationship and him just trying to get home and it just oh it's cheesy but it just feels so awesome and epic you know I think the effects are cool I love how the it's a great the effects alone are a great homage to 50 sci-fi with with having the cheese level to it without it being blatantly forced and obvious like Oh, see the string on the on the hubcap spaceship kind of thing, where there's still like effort put into the effects, but they still are on a cartoony level, which is which is great. I I feel like the Martians themselves remind me a lot of Gremlins. Um, you know, they're they're vicious and evil and dangerous, and and there's real stakes with them, but they are also it just feels like their whole mission. It's just to fuck with us and have a good time for them. I, sorry, I think it's hilarious them taking hits off of the nuclear explosion like it's helium and it makes their voices crack. I think that's, I thought it was funny. And Nicholson's reaction to it where he just kind of throws his <laughs> arms up in the air is hysterical to me. Um, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought everybody in the movie did an amazing job, had some really funny moments. Uh, I love some of the, I love just some of the smaller jokes that kind of, especially some of the war room stuff and, um, just a lot of the, uh, the White House stuff really felt kind of, kind of a little bit like, uh, Dr. Strangelove in a sense, where it's just like these, these, these big powerful people that hold the, the, power of the world in their hand the the fate of humanity in their hands and they just act like children half the time the one general who just wants to nuke them every time and get shot down and when nicholson tells him to shut up and it's like screaming shut up at him just how they take that beat where he just kind of stands there and starts to walk off defeated but then turns around and grabs his clipboard off the table yeah. and, and kind of whimpers away I, I think it's hysterical um yeah, I'm sorry. I think it's uh, I. They, I think it's funny. I, I think it's great. They really throw Midwesterners underneath the bus, though, man. Like those those people from Kansas. Oh my God! <laughs> it's like they they make us seem like we're like the biggest dim-witted, you know. I don't know these backwoods hillbillies. I. It's just like they, you know, they ain't getting the TV. You know. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Don Baker. Come on, man. Joe Don Baker. Right? Would yeah. you ever think Jack, you'd see a movie Jack with Joe Black. Don Baker? Yeah, Joe Don Baker, Jack Black, 
Michael J. Fox, all in the same movie? No. They didn't use Christina Applegate very much in this. They no. just kind of had her there as eye candy. Sarah yeah. Jessica Parker. Yeah. I mean, just it's unbelievable the cast in this thing. Pierce Brosnan, Martin Short. I mean, there is one thing I liked. Yeah. Danny Elfman's score. Yes. Was incredible. The overall... And I got to got to hear that live with the they the the, oh, the cool. orchestra. Yeah, they uh, they played a little bit of Mars Attacks. They played everything from his movies, but it was uh, they brought out the theremin for this one for oh, that. Oh, sweet! For you know, like the the spaceships and the, yeah, it was it was neat. It was really cool. What other? I mean, what other movie soundtrack do you get? Danny Elfman with a the theremin, uh, Slim Whitman, and Tom Jones. I mean, come on. Fuck Tom Jones. Oh, it's not unusual. It sucks. I laughed out loud when I saw, you know, Danny DeVito getting all in his face. He's like, hey, Tom Jones, is that on you? It just, he's so damn. He's like, being, yeah, he's being chased by Martians, but he he's freaks out when he sees Tom Jones. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> and he's, you know, you can just, you know that, like, somebody has probably done that to, uh, done that exact thing to Tom Jones before. You know, it's just like, oh. What you got to put up with, I guess. I um, I have fond memories of this one from Sorry Guys, my childhood. Um, I st- I don't think it's great. I, it's not one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. I enjoy it. It's not one I rewatch. Out of all of his, um, even from that time period. Um, there's like a line in the sort of sort of line in the sand where I felt like Tim Burton just sort of I, I sort of, he sort of lost me, but uh, this one is it's fun. I, I laugh a lot, and I think it's it's actually quite a bit of fun. But I sort of like Tim Burton's movies for the feels. Like Edward Scissorhands hits me right in the fucking heart. Mm-hmm. So this one is the opposite, where it makes me sort of like laugh, um, but it also is a very big product of the time. But I feel like what Mike sort of said earlier about Carpenter, the uh, Village of the Damned being a job, this feels like the, like clearly Tim Burton loves this property and wanted to make this movie. You know, like this is, you can tell he poured himself into this and loves it. And it's not like the normal dark uh, sort of, like it, it has it's like the brightest, most, almost no, most normal Tim Burton movie, you know, in a way, strangely. But, uh, the, the cast is almost too much. I would say like, it feels like a lot of them, they just put in to put in and not every person has to be a big name, but they are. Um, so it has a little too much going on. And I mean, we have two Jack Nicholson's. Do we really need two Jack Nicholson's? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny to see a young Jack Black who's in like, awesome shape with a with like a flat top uh martin short being skeezy you know glenn close i mean so many fucking people but it's fun to revisit every once in a while but not on my top tim burton list what kind of trivia do you have from mars attacks there is so much so i'm gonna try to uh, breeze through some of the ones I found interesting. Uh, this is the first Tim Burton directed film, which a character's name isn't in the title. So, uh, you oh, know, the, the only, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you think about it. I never thought about that, but it was at the time. Um, 
Warren Beatty was originally cast as President James Dale. Then uh, Paul Newman was cast when Beatty dropped out, but then left the project over violence concerns. Uh, Michael Keaton was also considered, but obviously the role went to Jack Nicholson. Um, and he signed on um, sight unseen. He didn't even read the script, but he liked working with Tim Burton on the Batman uh, movie so much that he just said, yeah, let's do it. I want to work with him again. Um, cool. To make the Martian girl costume as smooth as possible, it had no zipper or buttons, so no seams. Um, Lisa Marie had to be sewn into it every day. Oh, man. Wow. And then uh, this one I thought was sort of funny. The writers weren't sure what the Martians should sound like, so in the script they wrote ack, ack, ack for all their lines of dialogue, and that ended up becoming their actual dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So sort of just placeholder, and then it ends up, you know, that's how it actually ends up appearing in the film. But uh, like I said, there is, like, like the. I'll just read one more because there's so much... Um, the producers wanted to use the heat ray sound effect from uh, the War of the Worlds as a sound for the Martians' ray guns, but Paramount refused permission to use oh. that sound. Oh, well, they got pretty darn close then. Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah. Yeah. But there's like, seriously, I could scroll all night with this trivia. If you enjoyed this movie, check out the IMDb. There's tons of it there. I will do that. All right, so our last film we're going to talk about, this one is my pick, and that is Resident Evil. Deep underground. In a top-secret research lab, security has been breached. A deadly virus capable of contaminating the entire world has been released. Oh, my God. We have to get out of this building. Who's that? It's the brakes! It's okay, we're here to help. Now, an elite team has been sent in to stop it. Five hours ago, Red Queen went homicidal. Who's the Red Queen? State-of-the-art artificial intelligence. The corporation's keeping a few secrets down here. But they have only three hours left before it begins infecting and mutating the whole human race. Everyone stay calm. You have to get out. Don't listen to anything she says. She's a holographic representation of the Red Queen. She may be our only way out of here. She's still standing. She isn't standing now. No one is immune. Resident Evil. You're all going to die down here. A special military unit fights a powerful, out-of-control supercomputer, and hundreds of scientists who have mutated into flesh-eating creatures after a laboratory accident. Resident Evil. 2002. Um, hated it back in the day. I guess I'm just more indifferent now. I just... 
<laughs> just kind of don't care. <laughs> this movie did not really sway opinion other than um, my ass being calmed down enough to not be so hateful. But what was uh, a lot of the hate back then because of the George Snot Snip? That's that's kind of why I wanted to revisit Probably. it. I'm just like, am I being biased because <laughs> this could have been a, a George Romero movie? May, and maybe, but uh, but you know, a lot of the problems I told myself this movie had back then, I still kind of feel like it does today. Uh, like, there's so many like little actiony moments or story-driven moments that happen off-screen or just out of frame that. It, it just it just feels I don't know it's it just makes the movie blah and the parts of the movie that uh, I felt like um like trying to point out things that were positive about it back then doesn't hold up nowadays like the CGI is you know maybe again yeah. we expect it's two thousand two right but. Uh, I just feel like my my favorite moment of the movie when I first saw it, and probably still the best moment of the movie for me is the laser room trap. Yeah, it's been done so many times yeah. since then with much much better, cooler results. It's the uh, so. ghost ship scene. Yeah, ghost ship basically. scene. Thirteen ghosts. Yeah, yeah. and cool it's one with the glass doors. And they're all from around the same time, right? It just. It, there's like uh, just something about this era of film, like this time period, is just they all sort of like mush together. I'll be completely honest. I alluded to this earlier. I went into this when you said Resident Evil. In my mind, I was thinking Silent Hill. All of these movies, uh, <laughs> Under Underworld, oh. Underworld. Um, oh. What else is there? Uh, all of these movies are exactly the same in my brain. Uh, with different pretty women starring. I don't, I don't, I literally until I hit play, I was like, oh, this is a different one. And then I was like, it feels the same though. I don't know. They all blend in. They, would, they feel this, they feel like the same fucking movie 10 times to me. I would put Silent Hill miles above Resident Evil though. Yeah. Agreed. But, um, and I was just thinking like the, they kind of, you know, with the with the laser thing and the the ghost ship thing. Uh, I'm mean, you can even go back even further with uh, Cube, with the trap mm-hmm. that they had there, yeah, and they right di- there they dice the they dice that guy up. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a difficult one for me to to watch because. You know, like right from the get-go, at least I got the sense that, you know, one of these people in this group is going to turn on them. And they were, you knew like right away that they were an asshole in the beginning, you know, and maybe, maybe that's, you know, and it's the same way in Ghost Ship. Uh, It's, you know, it's the same way. Uh, in a in a lot of these movies, you know, at the time, maybe that's why they bleed together. All you the know, red herrings and, and all that. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. 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 I wanted. I tried. I wanted to. I, I don't think I didn't. I don't think I hated it, but like, I wanted to like it more too, but just didn't. It just was. Half of that, you know, like you said the, uh, earlier, like just the like, or from the bonus episode, 
uh, last week for for the attackers, like just that, not knowing what the hell's going on, and just too much of that. I mean, Mia Jovovich, I'll watch her all day, but right. I was gonna say if there's one positive thing I can say about is that at least there's a pretty girl to look at, and she kicks ass, and I think she gets better uh, in the series too, as far as just her character and her ass kicking goes, but. Yeah, just I will disjointed s- and tough. To- I will say that um, Michelle Rodriguez is getting mm-hmm. typecast as this very tough Latina chick, you know, in pretty much every movie that I see her in, whether it's Fast and Furious, this, Machete, or, you know. And it's it's almost become like, a, you know, a, a character type, I guess. Uh, she's... I think Vasquez could probably chew her yep. up and shit, and shit her out, in, you know, in no time flat. But, uh, yeah, basically, you know, she tried to, you know, they tried to carbon copy Vasquez, and I think they kind of shit the bed on this. So you're saying if we recap all four of these, you you at least went up on yours? Me? Yeah. I think just because... Just because it started so well. I think so mostly well. just because... As an old man now, I've calmed my ass down and no sense of having pure, utter hatred for a film. Or I've definitely seen plenty of other films that uh, um, uh, require my hatred more than, than this movie, <laughs> right? Yes. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's still not a good movie. And I'm just, it, this movie, and I think I saw the second one and that was it. And I was like, no more. I don't give a rat's about this franchise because it's the, same garbage each time and it's obvious because it's the same director each time um and uh i that was one of the reasons why i wanted to watch it because i'm like i should really you know give the other movies a chance and quit talking shit about something i haven't seen so um but i can't i don't know if i can this movie still um still does nothing for me and I just it, it it is very just disjointed and again like setting up so many things and then just not delivering on any of it. Uh, even right there at the beginning, we spend so much time with these people in the umbrella um, uh, corporation offices and getting it all sealed off and all this that and the other thing. We know they're going to die and everything's going to end horribly bad, and then we just cut. You know before we see that death and destruction and then I, I mean i get it like because that stuff's supposed to be revealed later but i'm just saying as an example of the whole movie being like that and even as just zombie mayhem it's just very unsatisfying so yeah it's probably just gone up the scale for me a little bit just because i'm not being so hormonally hatred for things <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Still sucks. Well, what trivia do you have for this one, Tad? There's a ton, but not a whole lot of interesting stuff. Um, the makeup I, department I the yeah, and crew had a hard time dealing with the dogs who kept licking, zo- licking the zombie makeup, blood, and meat off of themselves. <laughs> thought that was adorable. <laughs> and then uh, Mila Jonovich did all of her own stunts except for the pipe jump in the sewer scene. She used a stunt double in that scene because her agent thought she would get strangled by the hanging wires. That's fair. 
That's fair. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. Like I said, uh, th- yeah, there's there's tons of it in here, but uh, it's just a bunch of like technical stuff. I just, yeah. And and all the George Romero stuff is the stuff of legends. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for those who I guess don't know, we hinted at it, but uh, there was a, a time uh, when George Romero was, you know, trying to work within the Hollywood system, but he ended up in director's jail for a long time for no good reason other than just development, development hell. He was attached to so many projects that just got taken away from him and put into other people's hands, including Resident Evil, uh, a video game that's based on a genre he created. So hey, I was always bitter about that back in the day. A little bit. Did they... I think they gave him a bit of a tip of the cap here in this movie because you see like that the Dead Walk newspaper at the end of the film. Oh yeah, yeah. That's from Day, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, man, nobody came out of this changed. Village of the Damned, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. guess. I guess that one. Yeah. I. But I never really disliked that film. Yeah. So, but, but for Tad, for Tad, you uh, know. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, sorry, that, that was his choice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that is it for the films for this episode. But don't worry, there's still more Attack of the Killer podcast to come. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it'll be segments time here on the show. Um, a lot of great stuff still to come. But first, you can hear a, a promo for our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is home to dozens of great shows like the Rude Horror Podcast, which is a Midwest-based horror podcast discussing everything from horror, movie reviews, play-by-plays, interviews, genre discussions, and so much more. Check out Rude Horror Podcast and all the other amazing shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show, and now we get to hear from you guys, the listeners. Here's Jason with Shoutouts. It's time for Shoutouts! 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 All right, we asked, what is a horror movie that you didn't like the first time, but should give it a second chance? Up first, we got Jacob McLaughlin. He says, I didn't care for Under the Skin or Last Night in Soho on my initial viewings. Mm. But they vastly improved on the second one. Under the Skin is now one of my favorite movies. And Last Night in Soho might just be Edgar Wright's most underappreciated movie. Yeah. Uh, Lisa from the Bad Movie Bunny podcast says, Prince of Darkness. Messed me up when I was in middle school. I was at a slumber party, and something about it made me feel scared and sick. Well played, Carpenter. <laughs> and then we got uh, Derek Wyrather says, I hated Terrifier 
when I first saw it, but I rewatched it a couple years after it came out, and now I absolutely love it. Yay! If only Tad could do the same. And now we're going over to... I like the second one. I know. <laughs> uh, in our uh, Facebook group, we got, oh, Attacker Abe Kirshner says... Abe. Hmm. Rosemary's Baby, actually. I was tainted going in because of the buzz about it being absolutely crazy and dark, but I found it meh. I definitely want to revisit it now with reasonable expectations. I may have commented, oh man, it's so good. <laughs> I hear you, though. I I don't know. if I want Mike to like it, but... I don't... What? I never uh, said I hated it. It's, just, know, it's, just, slow. it's a slow burn. I love it. Um, we got Mitchell Houston. He says, The Diary of Ellen Rimbar, a prequel to the miniseries Rose Red. I just found it boring with very little atmospheric scares like Rose Red had. But after so many years, I'd give it another go. All right. Why did you say that like a pirate? I don't. Limbar. Well, it's R I M B A U R. I just got hung up on the second syllable. Uh, and then we got uh, attacker Tony Miller. This one's going to be a shock to you guys. <laughs> oh, great. Tony says. Nothing shocks me with him anymore. Oh, that's, that's a challenge. Chal- don't do that, Tony. Don't. Tony says, I hate all movies. <laughs> One and done. No second chances. <laughs> do better. <laughs> oh, Tony. We love you. Uh, nothing uh, on Twitter or Instagram as far as shout-outs, but hey, let me check that uh, answer machine real quick, see if there's something on there. Hey, everybody, Attacker Brian here. So it sounds like this episode, the guys are covering movies that they watched and hated and want to give a second chance or need to give a second chance or something about second chances. <laughs> and when I think of movies that I hated the first time that I need to watch again, in the spirit of Halloween, I go back to Halloween Kills. Watched in the theater, did not enjoy it, went in with really high expectations. think I need to go back and watch it and just enjoy the bloodbath that is Evil Dice Tonight. It's still alive. I mean, maybe it isn't. I don't know if you've seen the new movie or not. That's a cliffhanger. Is Michael still alive? Did Evil really die tonight? Or four years later, When whatever the hell. Anyways, hope you guys have a good week. Take care and enjoy watching Clown Turkeist again, Andy. I hope they didn't do that. Bye-bye. Thanks, Godzilla. I love how Andy's hatred of that movie has now become legend on the show. It sure has. Well, uh, y'all can leave a voicemail like like Godzilla. You can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us that voicemail. We'll play it on the show. And that is shout-outs, but we are not done yet. That's right. It's time for Insane's Picks. Okay, so we're still um, doing the Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, and it's been a little while, um, so if you had forgotten, we've been talking about Ed Wood, and this is part four, the, the final part of discussing Ed Wood here. This is all the bummer stuff, so strap in, strap on. So Ed Wood and his wife were routinely evicted from apartments for non-payment of rent. Each time they moved, Wood would immediately establish credit with the liquor store nearest to his address. 
Their last apartment was in a high-crime ghetto area in Hollywood inhabited by drug dealers, gamblers, and prostitutes. Ed would regularly pawn his typewriters for cash and was often mugged when he would walk to the liquor store. Eventually, he had his publisher send his checks directly to various liquor store owners so that he wouldn't have to carry cash when he went there. Friends have stated how, in his final years, he eventually stopped bathing and that his apartment was so filthy, he eventually would not even allow his friends to come over and visit because he knew they would be horrified to see how unkept it had become. In 1978, Wood's depression had worsened, and he and his wife, Kathy, had both become alcoholics. They were evicted from their Hollywood apartment on Thursday, December 7, 1978, in total poverty. They had to leave behind all of his scrapbooks and unfinished screenplays, which the landlord just threw into the garbage. The couple moved into the small North Hollywood apartment of their friend, actor Peter Coe. Around noon on Sunday, December 10th, Wood felt ill and went to lie down in Coe's bedroom while Peter and Wood's wife, Kathy, watched a football game on TV. From the bedroom, he asked Kathy to bring him a drink, which she refused to do. A few minutes later, he yelled out, Kathy, I can't breathe, a plea she ignored as she later said she was tired of Wood bossing her around. After hearing no movement in the bedroom for 20 minutes, someone went to check on Wood only to discover him dead in his bed from a heart attack. Edward died broke and forgotten. His career had become so obscure that most of the local L.A. newspapers didn't even run an obituary about him. Edward and his work seemed to be forgotten forever. However, in 1980, author and film critic Michael Medved released the book The Golden Turkey Awards, a book that celebrated the worst of the worst in cinema. In the book, Medved awarded Plan 9 from Outer Space the worst film ever made. This caused people to begin to take notice of Wood's films even more than when they were originally in theaters. In 1982, in the film It Came from Hollywood, there was even a whole segment of the film dedicated to Ed Wood and his films. Fans of Ed Wood grew and grew over the years. Essays were written about the man and his films. And by 1990, there were dozens of documentaries, books, and so on about Ed Wood. In 1994, the book Ed Wood, Nightmare of Ecstasy was released that would end up becoming Ed's biggest launching pad into the mainstream. The book became the inspiration for the 1994 film Ed Wood, directed by... Well, again, Tim Burton. Starring Johnny Depp in the title role as Ed Wood and Martin Landau, who even won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his portrayal of Bella Lugosi. It also won an Academy Award for Best Makeup, awarded to Rick Baker for his makeup on Landau, turning him into Bella Lugosi. They say most true artists are never really appreciated until after they're gone. At least that's what I keep telling myself. In Edward D. Wood Jr.'s case, it is sadly 100% accurate. He never got to see the love, of his, the love for his films and the fan base he gained over the years. Even here in Insane's Picks, we honor the man that, was very appreci- that wasn't appreciated until after he was gone.
That is why we induct in this Insane's Picks Edward Dewar Jr. into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. And that is it for another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening, and special thanks to all the attackers out there for supporting the show. You too can support the show and become an attacker by going to jointheattackers.com, just like our newest attacker and good friend, Holly Berg. Hollister! Yes, the Hollister. Thank you for your support, Holly, and welcome to the Attack of the Killer Podcast. Holly, you are now one of us. So until next time, when you're home alone trying to find something to watch, maybe give that film you hated 10 years ago another chance. You might not regret it. You probably would, but you might not. So talk to you again next time. See ya. Oh no, could this be the end of? What? <laughs>